0: I employ people that are better than me at the trade that I've worked in for over three decades. I just, I'll be honest with you, Mike, I really enjoy employing people. I really enjoy giving people an opportunity to earn good money. Um, I like doing the organizing of all of that. I like making a profit on them.
1: What do you do when? Those people want to move on and start their own business. Have you encountered that? That's Steven Dunn of the Nice Painting Company. And I got to say, while we interviewed, I didn't really get on top of how much I related to a few things he said. And one of them is him hiring people that are better than himself. And the other is your employees should never be directly employed by your client. Later on in the podcast, I'll be talking about a client that hired my employees on the side and my subcontractors. It became a clause in my contract with that client's first and last name as the clause name. This pod is definitely very focused on employing people. And if you find value in it, please snap a picture screenshot on your phone or a picture in the dashboard of your vehicle and repost it on Instagram and tag me and I will reshare it in my stories. Now a couple more sound bites from this industry veteran before you hear our interview. Thanks for tuning in.
0: However technology advances, there is still gonna be the need for construction. All the different trades are needed. You do not work for my clients directly. I mean, that's just, that's the unspoken rule.
1: Absolutely. in,
0: In contract. My trust is earned by my contractors. They earn my trust. And like any relationship, you kind of let the rope out enough so that the contractor can completely hang themselves in front of you. And whilst holding a paintbrush in one hand, I was holding my phone in the other hand and I'm painting frantically and trying to quote, invoice, meet with a client, troubleshoot a problem job from last week, get new business, I've got the phone here and the paintbrush here, it doesn't work. Not only did I start losing revenue, the first thing I started losing was my mind. My mental health started to go down, I became stressed. The problem with managing people is you do not want to keep diving in and fixing a problem with people. Allow them to problem solve themselves, give them all the tools to do that. So yes, they work for me, I I make my living off them, but I genuinely want to see them succeed. When there's a harvest on, you make hay while the sun's shining. It doesn't matter how good your Instagram account is. you still got to put some paint on the wall. Um, You know, this house that I'm sitting in, it doesn't matter how many likes you've got and how many people think you're cool. You know, you still have to build a house. You have to frame
1: the flipping thing. Welcome to the Contracting Handbook Podcast, a podcast for how to run a small contracting company. Whether you're a general contractor like me, or a trade contractor, starting fresh or been in business for years, here's all the stuff you never knew you'd have to know before you started your contracting business. With the man who's seen it all, your host, Mike Kinoki. That's me. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Contracting Handbook podcast. And I'm here with Stephen Dunn of the Nice Painting Company out of Auckland and Nelson, New Zealand. Uh, Stephen's been in the painting industry for over 30 years and started in the UK and has made his way to New Zealand where he's currently operating. Stephen, welcome to the show. It's nice to have you here.
0: Thank you, Mike. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: Great. Um, tell us how long you've been in business.
0: So I started painting when I was 17 years old and I started my first painting business when I was about 24. And as you can see, for those that are watching now uh, on video, I'm about 150 years old. <laughs> and so ages, ages No, actually just over three decades, I've been painting and about two decades running businesses.
1: And it's amazing how that time goes by. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, how, many, how many employees do you have right now?
0: So we have a little bit of a different way of employing people. And um, all in all, it's about 40, 40. 0 mm-hmm. um, But we employ them in contracting teams made up of anywhere between 2 and 6.
1: Okay. Now is that... So, they're not in your direct employer?
0: Seven contracting teams.
1: Gotcha. And, and are they like licensed on their own? Are they union workers? How does that work?
0: Yeah. So, painting is a funny industry and it's kind of the same the world over. I've painted in the USA, I've painted in the UK, and then now I'm painting in New Zealand. Um, within the construction industry, it's probably the most unregulated industry so you don't really need to be quote licensed, apprenticed, um, you really can just pick up a paintbrush and go which is good in one sense but in another sense it opens up a can of worms. Um, Most of my contractors are apprenticed uh, but some of them especially from other nations when they've come to New Zealand they bring such skill sets with them. They, they pick it up as they go and they become some of the best painters um, I've ever seen.
1: Interesting. Okay. So um, you started out originally with your current company in, in Auckland. And then, yeah. and then expanded to the South Island to Nelson.
0: Yeah, so we were actually living on the South Island um, and I started the company. I would take a plane into Auckland. So it's two separate islands in New Mm -hmm. Zealand. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would take a one hour, 20 minute plane ride into the big city, the big smoke and do my work. And then there's a construction boom happening in my provincial town, Nelson. So
1: we've started doing more work here now. So it was more demand uh, that made you want to expand or yeah. making more money or both?
0: Yeah, it was actually. Actually, I was on an, uh, in the middle of a downsize, um, got some health complications in our family and we wanted to downsize and uh, some of our children had left home. Um, my wife and I have eight children and, and there were three uh, remaining at home. So we were able to downsize. And right in the middle of a downsize in the last year, um, there's been a massive construction boom. And I just, I'll be honest with you, Mike, I really enjoy employing people. I really enjoy giving people an opportunity to earn good money. Um, I like doing the organizing of all of that. I like making a profit on them. Um, and the, the boom is there. And when, you know, when there's a harvest on, you make hay while the sun's shining, you You've got to harvest in season, and this was a season to harvest. So we just naturally expanded. Um, and because lots of systems were already in place, running quite uh, quite successfully, quite a good system in a big city, it was very easy to do it in a smaller provincial town.
1: That's great. Um, yeah, there, I, 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 everyone I've talked to so far is... Saying too that there's a construction boom, seems to be happening hmm. everywhere. Um, Interesting. I, I think I think even in my in my small town we are, shorthanded. We don't have enough we don't have yeah. enough contractors to do all the work that, that people are uh, wanting done right now. So, okay, when when you went and you made this expansion, um, you know you're you're doing it on two separate islands. You know you got land and water between you. And so, uh, what were the key components that made that expansion work for you? Like, you know, did you hire more middle people, more middle management? Did you, or do you just do it all?
0: No, I delegate my weaknesses and Mm. I know my strengths. So, my personal strengths are definitely believe it or not, not painting, although I can paint, you can see behind you, there is painting going on and look, it's even on my hands. Um, I'm painting for a lovely old lady today, I just chose to do that. But um, now I'll be honest with you, my strengths and marketing and people management, that's definitely my strengths. And my weaknesses, believe it or not, might actually be the trade that I'm working in because I employ people that are better than me at the trade that I've worked in for over three decades. And that's, that, that's, um, that touches on your ego. If you are an alpha male, ego driven, I'm the best painter in town, or I'm the best builder in town. Um, hey, look, I employ people that can do the job better than me and they are incredible at what they do. That's how I've managed to expand.
1: Yeah. Good talent uh, is hard to find. And then hanging on to them is also a challenge uh, because they're in demand uh, and they know they they do excellent work. So, okay. So you, you have all this great talent and the ability to see that they can do even better work than you can. And, 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 and then use that to your advantage. Um, what, What do you do when those people want to move on and start their own business? Have you encountered that? Like, you know,
0: in my early days in England, one of the big rules when you're subcontracting the work or you're raising teams is you do not work for my clients directly. I mean, that's just that's the unspoken rule. Absolutely. in contracting you do not work for my clients directly and i lay that out crystal clear like guys don't work for my clients directly that's like stealing from my bank balance you don't do that in one day back in england in one day i had two teams working and in the same day both team leaders directly worked for my clients and That was a hard day. Um, Firing two teams on the same day absolutely leveled us as a company at the time. But I had to stand by that principle, because if someone was prepared to do that, then you can't you just can't run a business. There's something called trust. And it's it's laid out clearly from day one in New Zealand. On the other hand, I've taken a totally different approach and. Um, we uh, so, so all of my teams, are um, they're Chinese, Vietnamese, Sri Lankan, Iranian, um, Indian, and I've got some New Zealand teams as well. But most of my teams struggle with their English, and they don't want to work for the builder directly. What they want to do is they want to show up to work every day, do their job, get paid regularly, not get ripped off and go home and feed their families. Some of my staff have come to our country as refugees. They've learned the trade as they've come from war-torn countries and um, or whatever their situation has been. And I've been their first point of call. I've introduced myself. I've um, helped them. Uh, with other things, you know, with food and housing and those sorts of things, but kind of fathered them in in the country, helped them establish. And honestly, I've got some of the most loyal, committed team leaders you would ever. I mean, I I send them to go and price jobs for me when I'm not around. They they actively own part of the company Uh, and it's fantastic. It works fantastic.
1: That's great because I, I, you know, when I hear you have 40 employees and you're in two different cities that are far enough away from each other that you can't check every job site every day. No, um, you can. So, and I, you know, I'm pretty, I try to be really hands on with site visits and stuff, although I don't get to all my sites every day at all. But, uh, but with my crews, I usually do. So, how do you vet? these guys before these men and women before they work for you how do you know when you go to bed at night that what was supposed to be done is done and and your clients are happy yeah and you know there's a lot Um, to balance there especially with all those bodies and all those personalities and you know all those yeah
0: it's, it's risk and trust so it's a constant risk and it's constantly entrusting so My trust is earned by my contractors. They earn my trust. And like any relationship, you kind of let the rope out enough so that the contractor can completely hang themselves in front of you. And that's how I do it. I release them slowly into the work, small jobs to begin with, bigger jobs, bigger responsibility. I watch them very closely to see their breaking point. A contractor that takes on, let's say, a $10,000, let's say a $1,000 job. Um, That's a small job. They can manage it, no problem. But a contractor that then takes on a $20,000 job, I want to see how they're managing that with their team, how they're resourcing that. So I'm watching every every day, I'm watching how that job's going via photos, via FaceTime, via gotcha. site visits. Um, it's fantastic. The technology is fantastic uh, yeah. that you can use. Um, so even though I'm not there, you can kind of be there in their phone smiling at them, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a few years ago, we would have never dreamed of having no. this conversation, right? Uh, unless we yeah, ran each other... Yeah,
0: yeah, it is okay. unbelievable to work to work technology for our advantage. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but no. you know one of the nice things about being in construction is you know if you look behind me, it doesn't matter how good your Instagram account is you still got to put some paint on the wall. Um, you know, this house that I'm sitting in, it doesn't matter how many likes you've got and how many people think you're cool. You know, you still have to build a house. You have to frame the flipping thing. So um, however technology advances, there is still going to be the need for construction. All the different trades are needed. But it's it's kind of using that technology to make your systems much faster and more Uh, smoother and police them a lot better.
1: Absolutely. Um, Thanks for that. And, and I have a question about, um, that I should have asked a little earlier when we were talking about when you expanded. Yeah. Uh, Because I, I'm always curious about this. So you get more employees, you're, you're putting in a lot more of your own time you're busy and then At any point in your during your expansion or before your expansion, as you were taking on more work because you were getting more known, did you see a point of diminishing returns in your income, like per unit hour you per unit time you put in? Did you start to see, oh, you know, I'm doing all this extra work, but I'm only making you know this much more money than I was last year.
0: Yeah, it's a, there is definitely a diminished. I would also, there's a few things here, Mike, and you, you're kind of pinning the the key problem. Um, and this is the transition from being a contractor, earning just on the tools, earning, and maybe having one guy with you working and transitioning to becoming a business manager. They're two different jobs right there. Now, today you can see my hands are painted um, I look like a painter. It was kind of convenient that, you know, I'm painting a room today. But honestly, this is rare. I'm only doing this for fun today. Today, it's just uh-huh. something I to do. So ordinarily, my, my tool of choice is this. I just, um, it's literally stuck to my ear most days, organizing and and phoning, because I'm not a contractor. I'm a business manager now. And the hardest thing for me was to get my head around that. And I'm I'm sorry to say this to your viewers, I would like to be this great successful, um, but it just came so naturally for me. It took 10 years for me to actually get my head around that. That I was no longer a contractor, but I was a business manager. And so what was happening was I was a contractor with maybe four guys working around me. We were Painting houses, painting houses. And whilst holding a paintbrush in one hand, I was holding my phone in the other hand and I'm painting frantically and trying to quote, invoice, meet with a client, troubleshoot a problem job from last week, get new business. I've got the phone here and the paintbrush here. It doesn't work. I, I, my mental health not only did I start losing revenue the first thing I started losing was my mind my mental health started to go down I became stressed I, I would go home I'd be angry towards my wife and children um, you know there would all sorts of things started to deteriorate I started hating my job wondering why and it wasn't until I made a break and a transition to becoming a business manager.
1: That's uh, I can I can relate to that answer on many levels. It, it gets very stressful. It does when you're trying to wear all those hats. And you know I, I once I became a general with a crew with employees. I didn't work it with them anymore. Rarely, only in a pinch. I just drove the truck. Yep. And I took it to a an extreme though, and I needed to do either. I needed, needed to hire people or, or back down, and and just manage what I was doing, but yeah, I, I agree. You you as a contractor, you become a just a business manager because you just got to manage. You have to be on top of it. It's too easy yep. for, to let things slip away. So,
0: and one of the one of the problems I think we have as construction people and and being men and obviously i'm well aware that i I have female staff and there are females in the construction industry but our industry is predominantly men and men are fix-it guys and construction guys are fix-it guys like on steroids so if there's a hole a hole i can fix it just Leave me alone, I'll fix the hole. If there's something not built right, a construction guy can fix it. The problem with managing people is you do not wanna keep diving in and fixing a problem with people. You have to kind of pull back, leave a little bit of vacuous space between you and the manager or the team leader and allow them to problem solve themselves. Give them all the tools to do that. But if you're constantly micromanaging, that's more exhausting than building a house or painting a house.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely no one likes to be micromanaged and doing it takes too much energy. Too much. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it. I don't do that anymore.
0: (laughs) Me too.
1: (laughs) Well, that that is, uh, I I really appreciate this conversation. My my last question, uh, I'm going to ask is, and this was posed by the last person I interviewed. Okay. And and he said he asked, do you do your employees work for you or do you work for your employees?
0: Oh, that's a good. That's a.
1: Really well, it's a good, good philosophical question. question.
0: So do my employees work for me or do I work for my employees? Well, the reality is I earn a really good living and it is because my employees work for me. So that's the reality of the situation. However, in that marriage of, or in that relationship, I think it's both. I genuinely, I genuinely care about my team leaders, particularly who each one has five or six guys or gals working for them. And I genuinely work for them. I genuinely want to see them earn really good money. I genuinely want to see them succeed. And, and they know that like i communicate somehow i'm managing to communicate that to them so yes they work for me i i make my living off them but i genuinely want to see them succeed and i think that's the synergy that takes place so sorry to respond to a difficult question with a both and or a paradox but um it really is I a like paradox it.
1: it's both i like it now it's that's uh you uh, you're open to interpret the question how you want. And I and I and I agree that when you have employees, you are working hard to bring the work to keep them happy to to yep. you know you're a family. So
0: Yeah, we are. Very good.
1: But thank you so much. No um, worries. And maybe when I get over to New Zealand, we can meet up and have lunch can or you something. Build me a house. I can't. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sounds great. Today I got a double shout out. First, Chris Beat. Second year running of a subcontracting business. He digs the show and he's recommending it to everybody. Chris, I don't know where you are or who you are. I don't know where you found me. Give me a shout. Let me know. Thank you very much for that review. Second to my man, Ryan Castle here in Fairbanks, Alaska. I got a text from Ryan last year when this pod came out and he was like, that one hit home. Thank you, Ryan. You're my brother. Thanks for listening today, you guys. If you found value in the content, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, a rating on Spotify, or if you're in the Android world, a rating on my website. Alternatively, take a snapshot of the episode you just listened to on your phone or a picture of it from your car stereo and post it on Instagram and tag me in your stories. When you leave a review, tell me where you're reviewing from and I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Thanks for listening. And whatever you do every day, remember at the end of the day, it's your legacy. So build a legacy that matters. That's all I got. Later.